Before I start inviting people up, I want to, to go back to Romans 6. It's been a really long time since we've been in Romans 6 uh, months. Uh, but I want to point out a passage that I think best defines what we heard and what we, what we were taught at the retreat. And uh, I want to kind of put a, 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 a bow on that, and I want to kind of wrap that up and, and give, a, give us some clarity as a ministry before we start hearing from people. So are you ready to do that? Yes. Okay. Uh, so, so please uh, turn to Romans chapter 6, and we'll start in verse 8. And, uh, well, actually, let's, let's look back. Let's start in verse 7, just because it's a beautiful verse. For he that is dead is freed from sin. And so for those of us, first of all, who recognize that we are dead in Christ, we recognize that we have been set free from the bondage of our sin. That for those of us who, who in times past, were, were imprisoned uh, by lying and by greed and by, by wickedness and filthy thoughts, for those of us who know Jesus Christ, and even if we still struggle with those things as a reality in our life, we have been set free from them. That is absolutely true. You understand? Verse 8. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. That means that's a present tense reality. You understand? That's not something that we're anticipating or, or, or excited about for the future, about the rapture of the church or the day that we stand at the heavenly gates. Okay? This is a present reality. That if we be dead in Christ we believe, and we believe in Him, uh, then we shall also live with Him day to day. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. And there's a lot there uh, in terms of understanding uh, uh, Christ and, and, his, and his resurrection. But look, that passage right there has everything to do with the way that we should be living day to day. Christ doesn't die every day and rise, uh, raise from the dead every day, does he? And, and the same thing is true for our lives. We don't have to be saved every day to be set free from sin. If we've recognized Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we've given ourselves to Him in surrender, then that surrender is a perpetual thing as long as we're breathing. That surrender is something that needs to be lived day to day. Christ doesn't have to die afresh every day to make that a reality. We have to die every day to make that a reality. We have to put ourselves aside to make that a reality. Verse 11, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto your sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the prayer for the college and young adult ministry at Midtown Baptist Temple, and this is what I'm really praying for. We've got a ministry right now that is full of young believers. Uh, I mean, we've got people that are at every stage in their walk. We've got leaders. We've got people who are coming up into leadership. But we've got a lot of brand new people who are just now in a discipleship relationship. And this ministry is new to you. And there's a lot of you who plan on signing up for Cost of Discipleship. There's another Cost of Discipleship just around the bend. I've talked to a lot of you over the last few weeks. You're getting ready to sign up for COD because you know that God is calling you to more. But as we enter into a time of, of young believers growing in their faith, this retreat comes at a perfect moment. Because if we can all learn together that we don't really have a whole lot to offer, like as a young believer, if you can recognize that, that as you grow, you don't really have a whole lot to offer God. He has a lot to offer you. Then our ministry is going to be set into a trajectory that God can really bless us. 
See, here, here's the problem, especially with young people. We get in our mind this idea that we're going to do things for God. That our energy and our availability and our time and our energy and, and the fact that we're coming into this thing and we're excited is somehow going to be like the fuel for God to do things. All right, but God is our fuel. And the outcomes belong to him. See, and a lot of us think in terms of, of earning God's favor. I mean, especially, this is true for me. Growing up without a father, coming into ministry, a lot of my life has about, been about earning the favor of God and the leaders in my life. The pastors and the elders that are over me, it's, a lot of the work that I've done in ministry has, has had a lot to do with me trying to earn the favor of the people that I respect and love. And the reality of our situation is this. Jesus Christ just desires to use you. You don't have to earn his favor. He's given you all of the favor that he can give you the day that you accepted him as your savior. He is for you. He loves you. He's given you access to him. And now this is our opportunity to die to ourselves so that he might live through us and then we might actually be able to do true exploits for him. For him. For his name's sake. But that does require surrender. And I think that that's where we're at as a ministry. Like, I think that we just have to get our, our minds around this idea that as we do discipleship, as we're growing in our faith, as we enter into D2, as we enter into LFBI, as we're getting new ministry responsibilities, as we're starting new Bible studies, and things seem fresh and exciting, and there's new works and endeavors to pursue, we have to keep a, a, a spirit of humility, knowing that without Jesus Christ, we can do nothing. And I hope that that makes us a ministry of prayer. I mean, really, I mean, if I'm, if I'm thinking practically, I'm hoping that that makes us a, a ministry truly devoted to praying that Christ's outcomes would be true in us. We don't have to conjure them up. We don't have to make them. We don't have to fight for them. That he would do the fight for us. And we would simply present ourselves a living sacrifice to him. And I know that all these testimonies deal with that at different levels, from different angles. God's doing different things in our personal lives. But I hope that, that this morning, and I believe that everybody's testimonies is going to come back to the summary of this. God owns our lives. Amen. And he will use us if we don't get in the way. You understand? Okay, so I'm going to actually invite Lindsay up because she's right here in my periphery. Uh, I'm going to invite her up to speak first. So everybody cheer. Lindsay Hudson. Turn up just a little bit. Yeah. All right. Is it close enough to my face? That's good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so Brandon just basically gave my testimony. So amen to that. But um, so I just started coming to Midtown this year. Um, I just got saved in January. So um, it's been new and it's been exciting and um, it's been hard because. I wanted to do it for myself and to show God what I can do instead of God showing me what he can do. Mm. Um, and so over retreat, it was like really, it's been hard for me to like submit just because I want to learn so much, just because um, my sister Haley just is just like so wise sometimes. <laughs> I'm just like, dang, why can't I be like that? And so... Um, 
it's just like really shown me that like it's not her and it's God coming through her and mm -hmm. speaking to people and speaking to me. Um, but sorry, excuse my nervousness. But um, what George Grace said was, God will give you what you are willing to receive. Yeah. Um, and he said, works should be Christ working through you, not feeling obligated. And I felt obligated to just show Christ what I can do instead of just letting him show me what he can do. I already said that, but, um, so let me get my thoughts in order. Um, first day of retreat, I was like, what, like, what are you talking about? Like, I want to do things for God. And I didn't realize that I was just being so stubborn and like not listening to what Mark Trotter was saying. Um, and, so Thursday, like during free time, I was going through my second lesson of discipleship and I was in the like, personal Bible study and I, it was, the first one is Timothy 2, uh, sorry, 2 Timothy 2, um, 15 through 19. And I started reading it and I was like, what? Like, I don't know what I'm reading. Like, I was just trying to get through it. And I hadn't realized that, like, it's not a race to finish. It's, you're not going to ever finish. And you'll never be where you want to be, but you'll be where Christ wants you to be. Um, and so I was reading it, and I just got so frustrated, and I was like, whatever, I'll just do it later. So I put it away, and I went and talked to some people. And then um, Friday just, like, really hit me. And I just, like, realized that, like, I just needed to surrender. I just needed to shut up and stop trying to do it myself and to just... Let God show me what he wants me to, like, be. Like, where he wants me to be. What he wants me, what's, what he wants to teach me. Um, and so, uh, sorry. <laughs> um, I just really wanted approval from people. Um, it's hard not to, like, want people to be like, look at her, she's so godly. <laughs> look at God working through her. And so, like, it's hard to, like, just be like, just stop wanting approval from people and to just wanting God to just give me what he wants to give me and only just like care about that relationship like yeah humanly relationships are so important investing in people is so good but your first priority is your relationship with God and how you where you stand with him um, and so okay so Saturday morning after um I just, like, realized that I was just doing it all wrong. I was just doing it for me just to, like, get through it. Um, we went to Old Drum, and we were just reading. I was going through the rest of the personal Bible study, and I came back to 2 Timothy 2.15, and I'm going to read it um, just because it really just hit me. Um, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane, profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat us eat as doth a canker, of whom sorry is him Hymenaeus mm -hmm. and Philetus. Philetus. <laughs> sorry, um, who concerning the truth have eared, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrown the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of 
God seeth sure, having the seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Mm -hmm. And every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Mm. And after realizing that I was just trying to do everything myself and I was just trying to get there, get where I wanted to be, get where people would be like, wow, she's so, like, she has so much advice to give. Um, I read it and I was just like, this is exactly where I've been. And like, I guess not been, because it says, study to show thyself approved unto God, not to show yourself approved. Yeah. Because it's not about me. It's about him and what he, again, wants to teach me, where he wants me to be. So that just like really hit me. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I looked up at Maggie and I, mm -hmm. I was like, I just want to cry right now. Because, like, God's just, like, been, like, let go and let me. Mm -hmm. And and then I went through the rest of the personal Bible study, and you just, like, get chills all over your body. And you're just <laughs> like, ah. So good. That's just, like, where I was. And then, like, I was just, like, choking, just, like, trying not to cry in this coffee shop. Because, like, it was only, it was a good cry. But it was just, like, I was like, I can't do this right now. <laughs> but, um, so... It's just, like, so good to just um, feel God, like, teaching me because it wasn't about what I was reading. It was about what he was showing me. Mm -hmm. um, and so the way I want to just, like, live this out is to just realize and die to myself every day that I don't need to be approved on other people. I don't need to show myself to other people. I need to show God. And I need to obey him and work with him. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's awesome. <laughs>
uh, I just felt like a real piece of crap, like, all the time. Like, I was this little boy, I thought I could be obedient and do these good things, and then people would, like, praise me for it, and then I'd still, at the end of the day, feel like I'm not a good person. There was something missing, and it always hurt. And so, when I came to Christ, my testimony was this, that God took me from this mindset of me trying to be a good person and trying to be happy and trying to be these things, and then Christ took my sin and and took me and died for me so that I could be different. And that's that's how I understood it, that I could, you know, he took me from this bad thing and now I'm this good thing and now everything's fine. And for the first, like, six months of being saved, it's almost exactly like what Mark Trotter said in his first message. It was just cruising along, like, this is awesome, I love the church, I love the word, everything's great. And then around camp last year, I had, like, the fl- like exactly like you said, the flesh started kicking back. I didn't know what to do. I, I, I thought that, you know, it, it, everything's supposed to be good, and I'm supposed to be this Christian that's always happy, that has this joy that was absent before Christ, that's always like doing these good things and always coming to Bible study, always coming to church and serving in ministry and doing all these works. And I could hide behind these things. And, 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 but behind it all, I was, I had a lot that was going on like inside and people like to talk about like bottling, but this is going to sound like really like unnecessarily artsy. It's like, to me, it's like raindrops on like a windshield and they just keep hitting the windshield and if you don't wipe it off, eventually you're just going to be blind and you're just going to be driving in the dark and you're going to swerve off the road. And I hid behind my works and I pushed people away and I, 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 I was sad and I, I was going through all these things and the Lord was working on my heart and I pushed people away. Mm-hmm. There were times where I would disappear from church and Bible study for like a week on end and I wouldn't tell anyone even like my discipler or some of my best friends and I, I, I didn't know how to process all of that I'm a Christian what am I supposed to do when I'm not okay and so eventually it got to the point where I thought I could just lay my head down in my own little personal shield and never come back to church lock myself in my room and never come back here and after like two weeks of that, I was like, how could I ever come back here? You know, like how could I face all of you knowing the truth, knowing Christ and, and, and look at all of you and, and, and say that and, 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 and acknowledge that. I didn't know. And I, I still don't know what to say, and I don't know what I've said so far, because really it's just a spirit, because I'm not, I, it's been a blink of an eye for me so far, so I've gotten this far, so let, let me concentrate. So, um, the book of Galatians, right? So, I grew up Jewish, right? So, Galatia, the book of Galatians is all about, like, the law and the Old Testament and people trying to be Jewish but not, and so I read that, of course, and I knew these things, and I was always like, yeah, I understand that, because I was Jewish and now I'm saved, and I'm not justified by sacrificing lambs anymore. Cool. <laughs> like I, That was like knowledge in my head, but Galatians 3 was like the passage that, and the preaching along with Galatians 3, where God like taught me, look, he said, oh foolish Romeo. Foolish. You look up foolish, and like the first mention of it is like, foolish and unwise Israel. And I'm like, foolish me. Because you're foolish, because you know these things, and I knew these things, 
but I didn't obey the truth. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath, hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. I knew these things, and I had experienced them, but I didn't live in it. This only would I learn of you. Receive ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? And that's what I thought. It could just all be in vain, and I just, I, I could just walk away from church, but then I read all of this. And I guess I thought I couldn't come back to church because, like, my testimony was absolutely ruined. I had told everyone, I had preached from the rooftops that God had delivered me from sadness and from all of this into this, and then I'd just gone right back, and I could never come back because I'd ruined everything. But no, I, I, I had to learn that. Me ruining everything, me not being enough, me being nothing, me being like really messed up, like this piece of crap. God save this piece of crap so that he could work through me to not be a piece of crap, you know? Um, and I, I learned that his grace is sufficient for me, for my sadness, for, for everything that I've done, for my mistakes, for my failures, and that I could move on from that by the grace of my God and that his strength would be made perfect in my weakness. And that I, could, I didn't have to hide my infirmities, hide my failures, but I could glory in them. And so all this is to say that I, I found over retreat that like God's grace, I, I needed to realize that I am nothing and that I am dead, and that I'm awful, and those are depressing things to say, but that's, they're happy things to say, and I can smile saying them, because I know it's because my God is great. Amen. And so, moving on from retreat, I was talking to, like, my disciple, like, Brandon, and I was like, how could you guys, like, ever trust me to do anything in church ever again? If I, like, literally was, like, living all these things, I was doing discipleship, doing ministry, and I just stopped. How could you ever trust me? But no, no, no. There's no confidence in my flesh. There's no trust in me. I don't trust me. I trust my God, and I trust the truth that I know is true, and I know that I can trust him to move forward. So, like, I, I, I can trust him to complete discipleship. I can trust him to enroll in D2, and I can trust him to take me wherever it goes from there um, because I have my God. And now I'm not a piece of crap. I'm like, holy crap. You know? <laughs> I'm like, like so I can, I can be sanctified and, and delivered and, and like God can do things that aren't me because I'm not like me because I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I, I live, I, I, I like I live, but not I. Christ liveth in me and my life is hidden to Christ. And there's this one like really cool like mic drop at the end of like Galatians 6. It's like, from henceforth, let no man trouble me Verse 17, for I bear, that I really started too late. 14, um, but God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy, and upon the Israel of God. From henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Uh, I you know, leave you, brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, 
Uh, Ryan, are you ready to roll? happen in the lives around me and all these all this growth um, in girls around me so when I heard Mark's preaching initially I was like this will be so good for so-and-so with what they're going through and so-and-so needs to do this um, for what they're going through um, but in my heart when um, Mark started talking about how we're not living for God I was like okay he's gonna try to be clever it's just about the prepositions he's gonna say it's through or of or by or any of those different words um, but in that, I like wasn't even actually listening to how it would apply to my life. And um, I felt so gross the next day. Because um, people would ask me, like, what are you getting from this? And I had no idea. I was like, I can't even grasp what to say, like, how to apply this to me. Um, so I just struggled through that that whole day. Um, and immediately it was like, started praying, um, God, just soften my heart, open my heart, show me how to apply this to my life and what you're trying to say to me. Um, the next day, Carly and I got up at like 5.30, and we were like, we're going to pray. And we walked like eight miles and prayed two hours, and the whole time I just prayed for other people. And that's been so good, and I've truly been um, so closely knit to my brothers and sisters through knowing how to pray more fervently with empathy for them. But at the end of that, I was like, where am I at? Um, and God immediately answered just in coming to his word in faith after that. Um, it just took a couple verses in 1 Corinthians to just wake me up and humble me and sober me immediately. And he just revealed to me um, that my lack of surrender is just in the way that I come to his word. Um, so I ended up making this little T-chart of like surrender versus non-surrendered. Um, and I know when I'm surrendered, God's word is alive. I, my heart and my soul is just aligned with it. It's powerful and like I'm excited about it. I'm hungry for it. Um, but on the other side, it always has to do with my pride or for myself, out of obligation, doing it for God, like being in the word for God. Even if I'm saying I'm surrendering, sometimes you are trying to surrender for God and you end up just picking yourself right back up off the ground and it wasn't true surrender. Um, God just showed me that my flesh comes out in my emotions and that that was how I would try to dictate coming to the word. Um, but Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. And I'm sorry it says the word commit. Um, but it says unto, and that means obedience, not your own idea of what you think God wants you to do. Um, and the sequence of that is so beautiful. And after you understand that surrender and obedience, your thoughts and your feelings are established on the other side of that. Um, but in the midst of this cycle of tracing back my pride and like seeing all these layers of pride and then uh, beating myself up for that and then beating myself up for beating myself up, you know, how that happens. Um, God was like, this is what my gospel is for. <laughs> Stop trying. Um, surrender this to me. This mess is on the cross too. Um, and this is why you have to die daily. Um, so the theme was just death, which is life, which is death, which is life. Um, and God just showed me I don't have anything to bring to the table. First um, Corinthians 4, 7 says, What hast thou that thou didst not receive? No, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? So we have nothing to, to give him. Um, how can I, like everything my flesh makes is dead. Insert whatever your profession is, like the object of that thing. If it doesn't have to do with the word of God and souls of men being invested one into the other, 
it's dead. Like my art that I make is dead. Um, or if it's not yet, it's on the way. It's fickle, it's temporary. Um, it's wood and it's hay and it's stubble. Um, so in the next few weeks, I get to start um, in a discipleship relationship with someone. And my natural inclination when I got that news was like, okay, what am I gonna, I gotta step up my game. Like, what am I gonna bring to this? Like, what stories am I gonna share? And it was all about um, like preparing myself when really God said over retreat, like, you have nothing to bring except for this book. Um, and like 2 Timothy 2, 2, that's the verse we all know for discipleship, like teaching others also. Um, but if you look at the verse before that, that's the key. It says, thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Um, I used to think grace was something that just filled in the gaps for what my ability couldn't cover. Um, but really, if it's, if it's grace that is in Christ Jesus and our life is Christ and everything is Christ, our entire lives have to be based on grace. And that relationship has to be grace. Um, so my biggest prayer just over the past year really has just been for God to make things more real and just like deepen relationships in my life and he's shown me that in opportunities I've had with people that I know I want to love so-and-so genuinely or be authentic with so-and-so and in that I can feel myself trying to fabricate authenticity and that's an oxymoron <laughs> you can't like that's that's flesh that's not surrender that's trying to muster it up in your own ability um, he's just shown me what's wood and hay and stubble and what's fruit has remained and like at retreat this year Haley and I realized that last year we had come by ourselves but this year on the last night I just looked down the row both of our parents and both of our sisters were there and we didn't do that <laughs> no I didn't do that um, the word of God being preached to them and how powerful that was um, so God has just shown me that he cares about relationship with me and that I can't put myself into the equation if that makes sense it has to be Christ. If Christ is standing in my place, that's what my relationship with him is. And there has to be surrender just in my relationship and how I come to his word. Um, so I want to end um, in Matthew 28. It's the passage that we did for Creation of Christ, just the first ten verses. Um, one moment. So Mary and Mary are coming to the tomb um, early in the morning, first of all, and out of their devotion to Christ. Um, I want that to be what my time in the Word looks like. Um, and when they get there, the angel in verses 5, 6, and 7 just says a few things to them. And I circled in what those verbs were that he's telling them to do. And the first thing he says is fear not. Mm -hmm. um, and fear and pride go hand in hand. The first thing we should do um, in coming to God's Word is to put off our fear and pride and whatever our anxieties are. Um, and the second thing he tells them is to come and see where the Lord lay. That's what we need to do first thing every morning is to come and see, to just be awestruck by our salvation and to come to the tomb and see that Christ isn't in there anymore the same way that our sin isn't on our souls anymore. Um, and I just want, I want to come and see him every day. And then he says to go and tell. And that sequence is so important because I have to have those other things on lockdown before God can actually use me. Otherwise, it's just my flesh. Um, so... God just showed me surrender needs to happen every morning in my relationship with him and in my time in, in the word. And just that I want to come and see him first thing so that he can use me. That's good preaching, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, okay, Nick.
Homie, you're up, Woo! man. So what was powerful about the church retreat for me? Well, first of all, I'm 24. That was my first church camp I've ever gone to. Um, so uh, I didn't know what to expect. I had no real expectations. Um, I didn't pray and say, like, God, teach me these things. I didn't know what to pray about. I didn't know that that was a process people do before you go to church camp. So but then that was revealed at church camp. So, <laughs> so um it was a powerful, the message from Mark Trotter and um, George Grace, it was all super powerful in part because it was such a simple message, um, but it ended up having this pretty profound effect on so many different people, and uh, it wasn't complicated. I mean, it was focusing on individual words in the Word of God and have your outlook on what being a Christian is totally rearranged by just switching a few words. Um, so that in itself, just highlighting that individual words really do hold a lot of power uh, in that, you know, it's the word of God, so that's how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, its effect on me um, up front is, so I'm a, I'm a new, I'm a relatively new Christian. I mean, I've been saved for a few years now, but since I've been to Midtown, I haven't, uh, prior to coming to Midtown eight months ago, I wasn't living as, the Lord wasn't my, he wasn't my Lord, he was just my Savior. And um, So being in Midtown, there's all these things that you, you know, that I have found out that I have to do to get plugged into the church. Um, you know, I just, I'm recently married um, to Anna, and uh, so for a while I had that as a crutch. I was able to say, well, after I get married, I'll be able to get in the swing of things. So we got married. Now I'm getting into discipleship, and or I've just started discipleship, and I'm trying to find where I'm going to serve, and I'm um, I'm trying to read the Bible every day, and and it's really like a checklist. Like a lot of people have said that um, it's a lot like a checklist, and that's you know that's not I know that's not how it's supposed to be. I know that now, um, but after that first day, that first message from our trotter, I was uh, I was like, oh man, shoot, I didn't doing this for eight months, and I have not done it right at all. I, I've never said out loud, like, I'm doing this for Jesus because I'm not that kind of person who's vocal in that sense. But I've definitely said it to myself. I've definitely woke up, looked at my Bible, looked at my wife, and said, I'm doing I'm doing this for Jesus. Um, so I had to stop, and I, in that very moment, I looked at my wife, and she was feeling the same way. Like, we were both convicted by this heavily, and... Um, so she asked me to just pray with her in that moment. So we prayed and we asked that um, we'd figure it out and that we we wouldn't do it by ourselves, but we'd get shown because we really didn't know. We really didn't know. We were like, what does it mean to live, to let Christ live through you and to live unto Christ rather than to live for Christ? So um, we said that prayer and uh, we, we wiped our tears and we went on with the trip and um but, but it didn't, you know, in that moment, that, that feeling didn't go away that, man, the last eight months I've been doing this incorrectly. Like, 
I'm a little bit bothered at myself, and I know I'm not supposed to feel that way either, because um, that's also my flesh. But either way, it's how I was feeling. So the next, <clears throat> the next day on the retreat, a friend of ours who we hold dear to us, and we're very concerned about his salvation and everything, he ended up making it out. Um, we'd been praying for him for like eight months, and he ended up showing up. And um, he was just there for the, one of the morning uh, sermons and then into the early evening. And um, we had a chance to sit and talk with him about like what he feels and like what, what it is that's holding him back from being committed to Christ, or not committed, surrendered to Christ. Because he goes back and forth. And um, he, was, he was super honest with us, and he told us about how uh, what scares him is that you know, giving up everything he's had up until this point, because obviously it's a big change. It held me back at one point from surrendering to Christ. Um, so it was a good conversation. It was super good. I think it was, you know, I know that, that Christ put him there in that moment for us to have that conversation with him. And as the conversation closed, my wife said, Nick, can you pray real quick? And um, so I, I did. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll pray. So we prayed over our friend, and it was great. We told him we loved him, we hugged him, and he he parted ways, and um, that next sermon that evening, um, I had realized that God had pretty much answered my prayer from the day before, and uh, you know, I was feeling so down on myself that I had never done anything like unto Christ, or Christ has never done anything through me, um, but since I had heard that message, just, I mean, there was two times where Christ had already worked through me. Mm-hmm. Um, where my wife and you know my wife brings that out of me I guess but um, prayer is something that allows you to get out of the way of yourself and uh, and allows Christ to work through you and whether or not we all notice it or know it I've seen everybody in this room you know I've prayed for people in this room and um, you know Christ is working through all of you in prayer so um, that was awesome. So, and that's just one aspect of being a Christian, right? Praying, but um, it's a powerful one, and it's one that we can all use, and I can use to uh, to let Christ work through me, and everything else along the way. Just you know, I just I know I need to get out of the way of it. You know, so going forward, um, if I get asked to pray for somebody, I'll pray for somebody, and if I get asked to serve somebody and help somebody, I will serve and help somebody. And um, I'm not going to get into the word because I think i got to do it so that I can look myself in the mirror and say, good job, you completed your task for the day. I'm going to do it because in order for Christ to work through me, I have to know the word of God so that he can do that. So, um, yeah, let's read this one first real quick. It's... Um, Ephesians 6.18 So uh, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Um, So God wants us to pray and God wants to pray through us for other people. So that's that's a powerful thing. So that's really what I took away from it. Um, But it was great. So cute. <laughs>
you ready? Yeah. We were still sitting there. I'm like, Andy. And he was like, <laughs> <laughs> come on, bro. You got it. This is, this is good, man. I'm really stoked about this. Nick said, uh, <laughs> perhaps not everybody knows me, but I might know uh, a little bit of you, <laughs> or some of you at least. Uh, so let's start with my life. My name is Andy Cardona, and I thought I was safe. I am originally from Guatemala, and I became a Christian when I was very little. And I had to grow up at a very young age because my parents were threatened because of the divorce. They were, uh, my dad uh, um, had an affair and that changed my life. And I remember starting going to church and living for God and being a good kid and doing things for the Lord because I thought that was gonna make me a better person. And as I came to the United States, life changed. Different cultures, different beliefs, different songs, a different language to learn and practice. And it all started when I, in, I started in high school. Um, I gave my testimony on Friday night, and I heard somebody from Living Faithly Summit said that when sometimes, a, a, not, it's, it's almost like a problem, but when you grow up in Christianity throughout your entire childhood, there's a moment in life where sometimes you can derailed, and I derailed heavily. I became, I became somebody who wanted to have a lot of relationships with ladies. And I invested all my time, all my effort, all my looks into this thing, into this new world, and I knew it was wrong, yet I did it. <laughs> and for the longest time, I thought I was good. I felt really good within me. I was like, I did it. I am living the life. And then became senior year, and I met this lady who I thought was the one. And I'm like, she's the one. She believes in God. She's the one. <laughs> Believe me, she was not the one. And, <laughs> and I thank God for that. And I thank God for that. And God started to just touch me, to pursue me. And I did not know. I didn't know what this feeling was. I didn't know that everything was going high and I was living a life. Then I started to peak. Uh, at the start of the year, I thought I was going to get married this year. And... And then I started to notice a lot of things in my life. Just out of a sudden, one day I woke up and I'm like, I feel horrible. And everything that I've done so far with my relationship with her, I know I'm wrong. And I started to see my wickedness and how horrible I was. And I, like, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this love of God. And then I started to fear, if I die tonight, I'm going to go to hell. And then I started to fear where I was going. And it all started 
This is, I believe, this, this was the night, this was the evening that God said, I am here. I'm going to pursue you. Um, many of you know that I love coffee, and I go to coffee shops a lot. And I went to Caldies and Applause, and I was just walking in the street, and this random guy just asked me, if you die tonight, where are you going to go? That touched my life out of nowhere, out of my pride. I was here, and I was down here that night, and he gave me his Bible, and he says, pursue this. What was I going to say? <laughs> then I learned that this relationship was holding the place of God in my life, and that God was a jealous God, and that he did not like that, and that he wanted to be the love of my life, and therefore he brought that down. And with that, he taught me a great lesson, and a great lesson in which he grabbed my attention, and he grabbed my heart, to the point where I, at the beginning of this year, I said, this year is terrible. <laughs> I was taking 16 credit hours of pure hard sciences and holding into a relationship that has fallen apart. And within my own strength and my own flesh and my own intellectual power, I was trying to hold this down. And one, one night, I get a phone call and the relationship was over. And there I started to have the worst time of my life. After that phone call, I called your friends and we just got into prayer. But my immediate thought was just seek God. I don't know where that came from, but it was in my heart to just seek God, to seek the God of one of the God of at that time of my grandmother who devoted her life and lived for sorry, no that she did not live but Christ lived within her and that's something that she taught me and all those words and all this Andy don't do this and don't do that came back to me and just like in the movies it was a Friday so it was a Sunday morning and the the clouds were gray, and I came to Midtown broken. Believe me, I was broken. I hadn't slept in months. I did not know what to do. I just wanted somebody to love me. I just wanted him to just smile at me and to tell me I am here for you. And believe me, I had nothing and this retreat has told me that I am nothing. I'm a very proper person, and I've learned this so far as I just started discipleship. And the first lesson is salvation. And I got very, and I was very, I was very convicted of it. I'm like, hey, am I saved? Like, if I'm not saved, like I'm not doing myself any favors just by doing this. And then sitting in Panera with Jorge and Elijah, they told me, all right, now you have to write your testimony. And my question was, like, when was I saved? When was I saved? Like, I thought I was saved. I mean, I went to church every Sunday. I became a, Christ a Sunday Christian. I became a checklist Christian. I started tithing, and I thought I was saved because doing my works, doing my efforts, my own, like, within my flesh, I thought I was saved. But I wasn't. 
And I did not want to go to the retreat because I didn't think it was worth my money. I fought against it. I was like, I can do so many things. I can go to so many coffee shops. Like, like, I can like, read so many books and, and stuff that I'm into. And I surrendered to uh, my disciples and I paid for it and I went. And it was, um, and they just kept them telling me, you're just going to get as much as, as like, as, you're, no, you're going to get what you're willing to get. And I never really picked up the Bible before that. I prayed on Tuesday nights, and believe me, that's been a really humbling experience so far. And before everything started Wednesday, I prayed and I said, Lord, talk to me. And I learned that I'm nothing, and that within my own flesh, I, I, everything that I've been doing so far, of quitting so many things and doing it for the Lord, are not recognized, and I just want to, this just, this humble me down, this, Galatians, uh, um, 4, uh, 22-23, um, it's written that Abraham had two sons, the one by one maid, or in the other one by a free woman, but who has, who was of the bond woman, was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman was by promise. And at that time, I was doing things for the Lord. And that was just one of those humbling experiences, like just words that God has spoken to me. Because I was doing things for the Lord, and I can't give Him praise and worship doing things within my flesh. So I was very convicted, and on after Wednesday night, sorry, uh, Thursday night, yeah. Um, I was just very confused. I'm like, where do I do? What do I do? What's next? What's the step? I'm like, I know I'm already in discipleship, but I need to do something. Like, it's not up to them. It's like, I have to do something. Like, I have to do something. And I know it's not for the Lord. Like, I, there's something I have to do. And then it was just so simple that it just shook my world that I have to surrender my life to the Lord. I had to surrender life to the Lord, and on Friday night, I have a date. I saw my sin as it was, and I saw myself as I was, somebody wicked, somebody who can't do anything for the Lord, and that I can't do anything and bring anything to the table. And I need to be a living sacrifice and that in my heart, the only thing that I want now is just to give him glory and to worship him and to give my life to him. <coughs> and cut on my knees and I just surrender my life to the Lord. Amen. Prayer does work because I know people have been praying for me. And God bless them. I know I can say with a great conviction that I am saved. And and I now live now Jesus lives through me. And I'm a baby. I thought I knew a lot of the Bible, but I'm a baby. I mean in age and also in spiritual maturity. And I know that God has me in the right place. 
And I surrender my life. I surrender all my plans and my agenda. And that's something I've been struggling with. But I, like I said, that Friday night, 7 or Friday the 13th, <laughs> I once had one hand in the wheel, but now you have two. And whatever you do in my life, it's not me, it's you. And what people have invested in my life, and what I saw in people, which was the love of Christ, I pray that people can see that in me. But I can only do that, because this is the greatest lesson if I pick this up. If I live this, if I become successful, by living and meditating in the Word of God day and night. Thank you very much. Let's go and eat lunch and share our testimonies with one another. Can we do that? I love you guys. Thank you for all of you who shared. I know there's so many more testimonies in this room of things that God did throughout this week. Um, but listen to me. I know that there's still people in here who are, who are holding on to pride. Right? We, we, we struggle day to day. This is not something that you, you fix uh, just because you say, today I surrender. This is something you have to do every day. And so I know that some of you are still holding on to things. And, uh, and so um, let's be about, about the dying, okay? Let's be about the dying uh, because in that is great power, okay? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you, and I thank you for all the things that you've done, the things that you've done in my family, in my life personally this weekend. Uh, we've learned so much. And, uh, Lord, I pray that, uh, Lord, your kingdom uh, would bear fruit because of what you did this week. In, uh, in the retreat and so everything unto you and so Lord we just ask that, that all of the conviction and all of the, the salvation and all of the um, uh, decisions that are being made and the, and the wills that are being laid down that God all of this would result all of the outcomes would be um, eternal ones uh, that they weren't, wouldn't be superficial they wouldn't be short lived but God that you would continue to work in this ministry to see souls saved to see people discipled, to see Bible studies started, to pe see people's uh, roots planted deep into the soil. And uh, the Lord, we would grow unto you uh, a magnificent harvest. And uh, Lord, we love you, and we ask that your will would be done in our lives and replace our own in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. Have a good day.